All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dropping the Gloves with John Scott. I hope everybody's doing well on this Wednesday morning. It's a sad episode today. Tim is on, well, I don't know if it's called vacation, but he went home for his mom's 60th birthday, so he's still in Boston tearing it up there with his family. So I let him have the day off, or gosh, I didn't let him. He said, I'm not going to be on the episode, so I'm doing a solo episode today, which is okay because there is a lot to talk about, you know. I've been doing a lot of negative stuff lately. It feels like I've been talking bad about, you know, the sharks and other people. And I got a lot of feedback and people like, you're so negative. Why so negative? So I thought, let's do a positive episode, John. Let's just focus on the positives. But it's hard. It really is hard. So we'll, we'll do this. We'll start with a few positives and maybe we'll we'll do a few critiques and we'll try to bounce back and forth because you know life isn't all positive. There's some negatives involved. And let's just let's just do what life is. We'll we'll start with some positives. So Alexander Ovechkin, he tied Esposito in all-time goals, and now he has surpassed him as of last night. He has 718 goals, good for sixth all time, which is impressive. And I don't know if I've said this before, but I'll reiterate it if I haven't. Alexander Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer, not of not of our generation, but of all time. This is my opinion. When you look at his body of work, when you look at the generation that he played in and the amount of goals that are scored, and how defense has taken a huge priority and goals are down across the board and everybody seems to struggle. And it's a miracle when someone hits 50 goals, he has been the one constant factor year in year out for almost two decades. Now a decade and a half of consistently, consistently scoring goals, no matter who he plays with, no matter what's going on, you know, you can, market at the beginning of the season Alex Ovechkin is going to be the top five goal scorers in the league probably number one or two so with that being said him hitting 718 it's a big deal but it's kind of bittersweet because he has missed some time and it's not because of his own fault which is another amazing thing about Ovechkin the guy is built like a tank he's 6'3 240 pounds 
which when you think of goal scorers, you don't think of a guy who's six foot three, 240 pounds. You think of more slight build, maybe six foot 200. So for him to have that frame and to play the type of pl- the style that he plays, it's not like he's playing on the perimeter like uh, Austin Matthews. And this is no slight against an Austin Matthews, but usually goal scorers are guys who kind of play on the perimeter. They pick their spots. They, they get to the open spot and then they just bury goals, which is great. Ovechkin he plays such a physical style of game that you have never seen out of a goal scorer ever. I challenge you to name me one other goal scorer of his caliber who plays the body as much as he plays the body. You go search YouTube for Alexander Ovechkin hits. And there are so many massive hits of him just like burying guys. So for him to have that style of play to play for 15 years and to not miss any games, like this is this is his rookie season. I'm just gonna go games played 81, 82, 82, 79, 72, 79, 78. Lockouts shortened season. We only had 48 games. He played all 48, 78, 81, 79, 82, 82, 81. COVID hits, he plays 68. He hasn't missed any games. If you tally up in 15 years the amount of games he's missed, let's see, he's got one. Three ten. It's it's under twenty games that he's missed in fifteen years. That's incredible. Just wrap your head around that. In fifteen years, he has missed less than twenty games. I bet you it's less than fifteen. I didn't do the the quick math. I'm not going to bore you guys counting to fifteen, but that's an incredible stat. Imagine working a regular job nine to five. Not imagine. I'm, I'm I assume most of you probably work a nine to five. In 15 years, have you missed 15 days of work, one day a year? Have you? I'm guessing you have. I'm guessing you missed probably more. Just take a sick day, take an off day. You know, I'm going to take a, I don't want to play. I don't want to go to work today. The kid's sick. I got to stay home, this and that. Life happens. Alexander Ovechkin has played in the National Hockey League for 15 years, and he's missed less than 15 games. That's incredible. The way that he plays, the amount of targets, much like Curtis Gabriel, who wants to target on his forehead, Ovechkin has about 20 of them every time he goes into any different barn or a team comes into Washington because when you face the Washington Capitals, you key on Alexander Ovechkin. When you play him in the playoffs, all you want to do is get a body on Alexander Ovechkin. Everybody knows where he is. Everybody wants to stop him. When I played against him, on the power play, the pregame prep was, okay, we're going to make this power play a four-on-three. We're going to take someone, and we're going to put him right beside Alexander Ovechkin. It didn't matter. He still got a shot off. He still found a way to produce. He still found a way to rip a goal past Henrik Lundqvist when, we were, when I was with the Rangers. Like He is a very, very, very intimidating player to play against. He's got the tinted visor. He buzzes around the ice, and he just he's just been doing it forever. So that reason for all those reasons is why I think he is the greatest goal scorer of all time. Now he might not go down with the most goals. He might not go down in history as having the top three goals, but he's, he's sixth right now. He is on the move. He is looking good. He's not showing any signs of slowing down who knows, but if he ends up second behind Gretzky or third behind Yager, I still think he's the greatest goal scorer ever just based on the generation he's played in his longevity 
I just think he's unbelievable. He's a, he's just a gifted goal scorer. We're seeing another one of these guys in Austin Matthews where these guys just have the knack to score goals. They have a gift of getting the shot off and getting mustard on the shot no matter in what position, which is a hard thing to do. You can sit there at the rink with 50 pucks and try to shoot the puck in different from different angles, different positions in your body, not just a sweet spot when you can lean into it. I'm talking off your back foot, taking it from backhand to forehand, kicking it from your skate up to your stick, off balance a little bit, have a guy leaning on you. All these different things that happen during the game, he can get a decent shot in almost any position. It's pretty incredible. And I'm not I, like, listen, I, I am not a good goal scorer, obviously, but it's hard to get a hard shot off from different positions. You're used to doing it in one spot for your whole life, but during the game, that's, that's rare. It's rare to have that much time and to be able to, okay, control it. I'm going to put it right there. I'm going to lean into it. He he's, he's amazing. And I, and I, I am in awe of how he's doing it and the longevity and just how he goes about his business. He's, he's an inspiration for me. He really is. I just, um, I just can't say enough about him. Anyways, moving on. That's a that's a positive one. Let's talk about another positive one. The Florida Panthers. Can you believe this team? At the start of the season, when we were doing our prognosis, our predictions about divisions, I said, okay, Tampa Bay is going to walk through their walk through their division. It's going to be a cakewalk. They're not going to have any competition. Maybe, maybe they get a, like a, a few hard games in there, but for the most part, they're just going to, they're just going to cruise through this division. The Florida Panthers have quietly jumped into first place in the central division. Can you believe that? They're ahead of Tampa Bay. They're ahead of Carolina. It's, it's really a remarkable feat for them. Can I just say that it might have something to do with their coach, Joe Quinville, Mr. Q himself, Mr. Longtime, Mr. Mustache, coming in there, putting his imprint on the team? I don't know. Maybe. He is one of the greatest coaches we've ever seen, and I don't know. Maybe that's his doing. Maybe it's not, but they haven't really brought in that many new players. They lost Mike Hoffman. They brought in Anthony Duclair, so that's kind of, you know, Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. If you ask me, maybe Hoffman's a little better, but they're playing well. Tampa Bay's playing well. Carolina's playing well. It, it's a fun division. I think those three teams are the cream of the crop. Chicago might sneak into the playoffs. As crazy as that sound, as sounded at the beginning of the season with them losing Kirby Doc, with them losing Jonathan Taves, they have no centerman. And they're going to sneak into the playoffs. Good for them. Obviously, it's because of their rookie goaltender. He's been playing lights out. So good for Florida. Good for Chicago. Good for every every. It's a, are you guys having fun? It's such a positive episode. We're just we're just seeping, ooping, oozing. That's the word I'm looking at. Oozing positivity. Let's keep it going. The New York Islanders. I don't feel like I give this team a lot of credit where credit is due. They have won. Nine straight games. They are on a tear. They lost last night, but that's okay. They played the Washington Capitals. They're a tough team. They lost three to one, but what are you going to do? I just want to give a shout out. I, I I know I talked about negativity at the beginning of the show. I, I've been, I dump on the Islanders a little bit just because they play in Long Island and no one really cares about them. They're the redheaded stepchild to the New York Rangers and no one gives them any attention. And they, they do this every year. This is a thing that I think people just 
don't see. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, these New York Islanders. Do you guys remember that? Because I don't. They went to the Finals. They lost to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay went on to win the Cup. Maybe that was their kind of wake-up call for the New York Islanders. Like, okay, we've been there. We want more. We're kind of chomping at the bit. Who knows? But they are in the mix. They've won nine straight or sorry, nine of their last 10, they've been playing great. They have a good system. And when you think of the Islanders, you think of, okay, they're a defensive team. Wrong. They are offensive juggernaut this season. Obviously, they're playing well. Their goals against are one of the best in the league, but they're producing on offense. They have a, a deep lineup. Their defense is solid. My guy, Nick Letty, who is one of the fastest underrated players in the league, he's having a career year, so good for them. Anyways, the Penguins have finally woken up from their coma. They've won six straight. They've righted the ship. They're on the move. They're third place in the East, so that's fun to see. Boston has not figured themselves out. They've kind of been struggling. They've been scuttling. They're three, five, and two in their last 10, but we're trying to keep it positive. We're trying to keep it flowing forward. We're trying to, we're trying to move this ship in the positive direction. Carolina Hurricanes. I can't be positive about the Carolina Hurricanes. What, what did I say? What did I say that the Carolina Hurricanes, what would happen to them after they waived my guy, my future best friend, Jake Gardner? What, what did I say was going to happen? They were going to go in the tank and lose a bunch, and they were going to be a shell of their former selves. Well, guess what happened last night? They played the Detroit Red Wings, who are a complete pushover. They're an easy team to play against, and they lost. They lost to Detroit, so it started. Congratulations, Rod Brindamore. You have now ripped the heart out of your team, and it's showing. Shame on you, Rod Brindamore. Shame on you. A funny story I saw was I was just flipping through the Buffalo Sabres uh, articles. I love reading about Buffalo. I love reading about all my former teams, which takes up a lot of time because I have a lot of them, seven to be exact. And when I, when I read up on all the articles, it takes a better part of six to seven hours a day. So I was reading one article on Buffalo and they're allowed to have fans at the games, which is great. COVID is kind of easing up. People are getting vaccinations. There's a herd immunity. Life is slowly starting to progress, you know, to normalcy. So with that being said, Buffalo, they're allowed to have fans in the stands at a certain capacity. I believe they're allowed to have a few thousand. So to a favor to their season ticket holders or loyal season ticket holders who have stood by them, for over a decade of losing hockey, you know, struggling. They said, you know what? We're going to open up our tickets to you first. First come, first serve for the season ticket holders. You guys can pick whatever seats you want. Let, let's go. Let's get some fans in the stands. So they, they extended that olive branch to all of the season ticket holders. How many season ticket holders do you think responded with a yes? I don't know, maybe half. You have to figure that they have at least 12,000 maybe 15,000 season ticket holders in Buffalo. It's a, they're a pretty strong fan base, but they can only sell so many. They have to have tickets open for, you know, those regular day-to-game, day-to-game seating. So you think, you don't know, half of those 7,000 responding? Like, yeah, I would love to, you know, come see a hockey game. I haven't seen one in over a year. It'd be great to, to watch hockey in person. Maybe not, maybe a quarter. So you figure a quarter of 15,000, you're looking at that's 35, 4,000. Oh, well, that, that's, you know, maybe, maybe an eighth, maybe zero. Not one season ticket holder responded and said they would like to have tickets for the season. Not one. 
Not one person, not one sentimental fan, not one brother of a player, not one parent, not one friend, a buddy who has really gotten close to, to Rasmus Ristolainen. Nobody. Zero. So they had to just switch gears and spin it. And they're like, you know what? We're going to just open it up to everybody. We got 2,000 tickets for everyone. If you, you know, come and get them, come watch the Buffalo Sabres. There's nothing to watch. If, if you've been watching the highlights of the Sabres, it's sad. I don't want to get into it. I've already beaten this horse to death. They're a struggling hockey team. They've lost 11 straight to make matters worse. Taylor Hall took a shot in the face last night. I don't know how he's doing, but it's just, it's just a tough, tough go for the Buffalo Sabres right now, but to keep it positive, to keep it positive, we're going to hope for a high draft pick. We're going to hope that they can kind of change their fortunes at the trade deadline, maybe unload some of these assets that they took on in the offseason, a stall, a haul, get some more first-rounders for them, and really draft the right way and get some talent because this Rasmus Dahlin guy, he got walked by Ovechkin last night or two nights ago. I was like, woof. Like it, was, <laughs> it was an okay move by Ovechkin. He kind of faked a shot. Dahlin completely bit. His stick was not in the right position, and – Ovechkin just slid the puck inside his foot and walked around him. He didn't even touch him. He he did not even touch Ovechkin. It was it, <laughs> go look it up. It, it was a pretty <laughs> it was a good move, but it wasn't a great move. You know what I mean? Ovechkin, he's a very talented player, like I said. Dolan's supposed to be the you know the the new coming of Scott Niedermeyer, number one overall pick, you know, the 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 breath of fresh air to this franchise. He's he's supposed to be the guy, can't miss prospect. Not looking like that right now, which is which is not encouraging for the Buffalo Sabres. But hopefully they can amass some draft capital at the trade deadline. Maybe take on a couple bad contracts and get some contract or drafts with draft with that. Some picks. I don't know. Hopefully they can right the ship. You know, do what the Bills did. You know, quickly. Let's go, Buffalo. Change it up. Anyways, another team that's having a an identity issue. A team that. Um, I don't think they know what they are. Another former team, a team that I got a little vitriol from a couple days ago because I went after their tough guy, Curtis Gabriel. Oh, my goodness. I'm not allowed to have an opinion anymore on Curtis Gabriel. Shame on me. The San Jose Sharks. So Doug Wilson had a couple comments. He did an interview where he said, we're not going to be trading our first round pick. We're not going to be just mortgaging our future because I, I think we're we're in a different stage. We're retooling. We need to start thinking big picture. He's a realistic guy. Doug Wilson is one of the better GMs in hockey. Uh, I respect what he's done in San Jose for that long. He's put a competitive team on the ice year in and year out for the most part. And that's hard to do in the NHL. Yes, he hasn't won a Stanley Cup, but he's came darn close a lot of times. So he's, he's making this comment. He's kind of throwing in the white flag like, listen, what do you want us to do? We've done our best. I, I really pushed it the last five years. And I really went after a cup. I, I signed some guys. I traded away all our draft picks. It just didn't come to fruition. Now I'm saddled with some bad contracts and I, I have to figure out how to get out of this mess. He didn't say those exact words, but you know, that's what he was thinking. News got to Eric Carlson about what he was saying. And Carlson goes, I didn't sign here for a rebuild. Rightfully. So you signed a lot of money to go win Stanley cups <laughs> The response from Darren Dreger from TSN was epic. And I, I, I don't say epic very often, 
But for a guy who has a big of a platform as Darren Dreger, like I can say stuff on this platform because, you know, we reach a little amount of people. Like, I don't know, we get 20,000, maybe 30,000 if we're lucky. That's like a really great episode, like an unbelievable episode. Some episodes, we don't even get that. But Darren Dreger reaches millions of people. <laughs> and so he, he goes, well, Doug Wilson is probably thinking the Sharks didn't sign on for six more years of your level of play, Eric Carlson. Just like shot across the bow to Eric Carlson. Rightfully so. The guy hasn't done anything in his time in San Jose, and he's sitting there complaining that he didn't sign here for a rebuild. You're the reason for the rebuild, Eric. You're the reason Doug Wilson is having to do this. You are the sole reason. It's you. Not anybody else. It's you. There's a mirror. Go look at your perfectly coiffed pirate haircut and beard and mustache and just say, I'm the reason we're rebuilding. If you would have shown the type of player that you were in Ottawa when you came to San Jose, you might have a Stanley Cup ring on your finger, potentially, but you didn't. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why you're playing the way you're playing, but the reason there's a rebuild is because of you, my friend. That's it. There's no other if, ands, or buts about it. And for him to go out and have that comment say, well, I didn't sign here for a rebuild. I bet you Doug Wilson saw that and he's like, yeah, I wish I could trade you, Eric, but no one's going to touch you. No one's going to touch a player who's signed on for six more years at 10 plus million dollars who scores five goals a year and is a minus a thousand. And I'm not even exaggerating. He's a minus a thousand, everybody. Look it up. Fact check true. Moving on. Another team that's been interested in making some moves. They've, they've gone all in on this season, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they're getting ready to push every single one of their chips into the middle. Kyle Dubas, he's, he hasn't been happy with the way the Leafs have been playing. All teams do this, especially when you're a team like Toronto who has run rough shot through the North Division. You've had your way with all the teams. You get a little complacent. You get a little cocky. You let down your guard. You can't play at that high level for 48 games. It's just not sustainable. Or Sorry, 56. I'm thinking of the lockout shortened season, 48. This is a 56-game season. I apologize. You can't play that long, that well. So the players have kind of been scuttling a little bit. They've had some injuries. So Dubas... He sees this, and I don't know why. Maybe he's just trying to ruffle some interest in his team. He's trying to let the other GMs know that Toronto's open for business. But he's like, I'm ready to roll. I want to start trading. I want to start acquiring players. Toronto is in in the market for players, and we're ready to roll. He said he's going to trade all his draft capital. He's going to trade all his prospects. He is putting everything in the middle. I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to see more of it. He knows this is their window. He knows this is their chance to win a Stanley Cup. And I'm all for this. I want to see them acquire everybody. I want to see him go out and get Ricard Raquel, go get Matias Ekholm, go get a Boone Jenner, go get a Bobby Ryan from Detroit. How fun would that be? Get a Bobby Ryan, let him win a cup in Toronto. It'd be great. That would be What better story than for Bobby Ryan to win a Stanley Cup? Honestly, Joe Thornton, like how how sentimental would that team be if they won the cup? You have Joe Thornton and Bobby Ryan skating around the rink, lifting the cup. Oh, and Jason Spezza as well. Those three guys in themselves are like each one separate is a great story. You put all three on a team on a line, 
Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza, Bobby Ryan. Like that's just, it brings tears to my eyes, but back to Kyle Dubas. I like what he's doing. He said, listen, I'm not going to wait till the deadline to get a guy. I want to do it now. Canada has a silly 14 day quarantine where you have to go to Canada, sit in a hotel room for 14 days. Then they can let you loose because apparently the coronavirus only lasts 14 days in your body. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. Please don't quote me on this. I get trouble on this with this all the time for talking about this stuff. But anyways, I have a guy who's in quarantine right now. One of my friends, I was talking to him the other day, um, Al Stalock, friend of the show. He got put on waivers by Minnesota, picked up by Edmonton. And he is, what do you say? He was day 10 into the two week quarantine. He's just losing his mind. He's just sitting at the hotel. He doesn't know what to do, but I guess better safe than sorry. You don't want to get anybody sick. So if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. But anyways, back to Dubas. He said, I want to make a trade. I want to make it quick because if I trade someone at the deadline, I'm not going to get them for two weeks. And then I don't know how long, like that, that's, that's a long time in hockey, two weeks. That's five, six, seven games. So here we are. They're going to put all their chips in the middle. That's great. They're going to make a push. They're going to make the Stanley Cup finals, and it's going to be great. They're not going to play the Boston Bruins because they're not going to make the playoffs. Moving on. The Calder Trophy. It's a one-horse race right now. Kirill Kaprizov from the Minnesota Wild. We talked about him a few months ago. Is he worthy of a Calder Trophy nomination because he's played pro in Russia? I think he is. He's still a young kid. He is running away with this trophy. I actually, before I I even talked about the Calder, I thought he was in the running for an MVP trophy. And I know that it sounds a little far-fetched, but when you think of the Minnesota Wild, when you think of their recent years, yes, they had a little success last year. They, they surprised in the playoffs when they won their first round, but they've, they've been a pretty mediocre team for the last few years. This kid comes along. He's not lighting the world on fire in points. He's a point-a-game guy. He's got 25 points in 27 games, but he is changing the makeup of this Minnesota Wild team. He's changing how they play the game, and he's changing how teams see the Minnesota Wild. When you used to go into Minnesota, you used to think they're a defensively responsible team who has some solid forwards. But now when you go into Minnesota, you're like, they're an exciting team to play against. They have some high-end forwards who can put the puck in the net, and you have to be worried about them offensively, not just defensively. So it's an exciting time, and, and I know he won't get any votes. I know he won't garner any attention in the MVP category, but I think he should. When you look at how he affects the team, how he has transformed them from one year to the next, it's it's remarkable. And the fact that they're having down seasons from guys like Zach Parisi, Matt Dumba's having a struggling year, Ryan Suter's not playing very well, Jared Spurgeon, Spurgeon's not producing. He has taken this team on his back and he's producing and he's making them competitive. And they might be the hottest team in hockey right now. And that's saying a lot because Carolina's playing well, Florida's playing well, the New York Islanders are playing well. They're playing really fun hockey, the Minnesota Wild right now. So good for Kirill Kaprizov. Will he win the MVP? Probably not. Probably not. Will he win the Calder Trophy? I think so. I think so. The only one who's going to give him any trouble is that Tim Stutzel from Ottawa. He's a good little player. He's a very good little player. The problem with the two goalies is they're going to get like someone's going to vote for one or the other. 
So that that's the issue with having the Ken, Kevin Lankin and Kapokakinen. They're going to kind of steal votes from each other. The Kirill Kaprizov, he's the real deal. He's a steal. When he signed in Minnesota, that was a big boon for Minnesota, and it, it's it's paying off for them. That was that was a good job of scouting by them to go and grab him. Very exciting. It's always good. Gosh, I'm just talking about my former teams today, which is not hard to do because I played for seven teams, like I said. But it's just uh, there's a lot of uh, Minnesota, Buffalo, and San Jose talk always. Anyways, everybody, that's enough for me. I I tried to keep it positive. I, I did my best, but when Buffalo's around, you gotta it just seeps in because I I hope they turn it around. I, I really hope they do. I hope they can get off the Schneid and get a win. Just to, to lose 11 in a row, I don't know what my longest streak was, but it wasn't 11. That's a long time to go without a win. I, I tell you what, that's tough sledding when you're in that locker room and you have reporters asking you, do you guys even want to play anymore? Have you given up? Is there any reason to like get fired up about playing? It's just you do not want to answer those questions. You don't want to come to the rink. It's a tough position to be in. I've been there. It's not fun. Hopefully they can kind of dig their way out of it, get some wins and get some good feelings going in that locker room because gosh, they need it. They need it in a bad way, baby. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed a solo episode. I know I did. It's fun to hear myself talk for half an hour. It's, it's beautiful. What can I say? I hope everyone has a good Wednesday and a good week. We will talk to you guys on Friday with Tim back. Miss that guy. Hopefully he gets back safe. But anyways, everybody have a good Wednesday and I'll talk to you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 